Hey guys, this is a redo. <laughs> uh, obviously, I had the mute button on the whole time, and none of you guys could hear me. Well, so I'm gonna redo this, right? Uh, so I'm not gonna go through the hymn hop everything. I'm just gonna go through my notes and stuff like that. So let's pray, Heavenly Father. We just thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, Lord, and. We thank you for the opportunity that we get to spend in your word this morning here at church service here at Maytree Church and churches all around the world. And uh, we just love you for that, God, and we just thank you. And God, we just ask you bless your hands and feet today as we go about our business, Lord. And we thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this is the redo. Why would anyone reject salvation, right? You know, if anyone, could it could it, it could ever uh, achieve salvation by his own efforts it would be Martin Luther. See, in 1505, when he was 21 years old, Luther abandoned his promising uh, career as a lawyer and entered the monastery, right, of the Augustinian uh, Augustinian hermit of, of Erfurt. <clears throat> as later he said, uh, uh, this was not to study academic theology, but to save his soul. You see, in those days, uh, the, the Mosaic orders, um, uh, 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 or the monastic orders, uh, prescribed ways by which seeking soul could find God. And and with Luther, with, with determination and strength that characterized his entire life, he gave himself rigor rigorously to these tasks, right? He fasted and he prayed, right? He devoted himself to menial work. And above all, he practiced penance and confessing his sins, even the most trivial. For hours and hours, you know, uh, until, you know, he would, he would confess his sins and all that stuff until his spirit wearied of his exercise and ordered him to stop until he committed a sin worth confessing. Luther's piety gained him a reputation for being the most exemplary of the monks later uh he wrote the duke of saxony and 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 he said this he says i was indeed a a pious monk and followed the rules of my order more strictly than i can express if ever a monk could obtain heaven by his own monkery i should have certainly have been entitled to it all of the friars who have known me can testify if I had continued much longer, I, I should have killed myself because of my watching, prayers, reading, and other labors. Right? Yet Luther found no peace in these exercises. Right? The religious wisdom of that day instructed him to satisfy God's demands for righteousness by doing good works. And but what works? Right? And this is what Luther thought. What works can come from a heart like mine? How can I understand, how can I stand before the holiness of my judge with the works polluted in their very source? It was not until uh, the general vicar of the of Luther's congregation, uh, Johann Staputz, right? It was, the, it, was, it was Luther's spiritual father, set him to study the Bible. And that's when Luther realized what difficulty was. You know, he was trying to earn his salvation by human righteousness when the righteousness needed 
was not human righteousness at all. It was the divine righteousness. And this can only come, uh, become from God who gave it to him, which he did in his gospel. Right? So Luther had been seeking righteousness by means of human works when what he needed was to accept God's righteousness by simple faith and stop trying to work for it. And this is what we see in today's text, right? In Romans chapter 9, verses 30 through 33, right? It says this, what shall we say then? The Gentiles who do not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness by faith. But that Israel who pursued the law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, which is just written, Behold, I lay in, in Zion a stumbling, a stumbling a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. If you guys want to comment, I'm I'm gonna be looking over and um you know stuff like that. So guys, you know, sorry that I have to redo this and I'm back on, but um you guys just if you guys wanna uh comment, please comment, okay? So that's the question that Paul is talking in, in these verses. Except it's even it's even more pointed than that, right? Paul is asking in effect, why should a religious person reject salvation? Why would God's covenant people, schooled in God's law, taught by God's prophets, reject salvation? Why would anyone whose focus in life is to be in fellowship with God reject salvation? That is a hard question. It's a hard question, not only because it is perplexing to the mind, why would anyone uh, reject salvation, but because it's reality. You see, for the people of God who had been given the scriptures of the Old Testament and predictions of the Messiah had by and large closed their ears to the gospel that the apostles were preaching. They had rejected Jesus as the Messiah. They had rejected the gospel that Jesus Christ was the only way to salvation. See, Paul was like really broken heart when he, and, and we saw this in, in Romans chapter nine, verses one through five. And he raises the issue again in chapter, in, in the, at the end of the chapter, right? Where, when he asked, why would anyone reject salvation? First, Paul teaches that the unbelieving Israel has not, was, has not found right standing with God, but the believing Gentiles have found right standing with God. He says in verses 30 and 31, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is righteousness by faith. But Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. See, what has in fact come about, Paul says that it is not, it's something we wouldn't expect, right? We would have expected all of Israel to embrace Jesus as the Messiah. We would have expected the Gentiles to resist him. But then 
when we found in fact that it was the Gentiles flocking to him, but the complacent people of God were turning their ears against him, turning their hearts against him. <clears throat> what are we to make of this situation? Right? The Gentiles have come to receive righteousness, which is by faith, and yet, it, but, but, but Israel had not attained righteousness of the law. The unbelieving Israel has not found in right standing with God, but the believing Gentiles were found with right standing with God. What are we to make of the situation? Now Paul is ready to, uh, already started answering the question, you know, that we find in, in, in Romans chapter 9, verses 6 to 29. And he said, he said that you first have to look at God's sovereignty. God has a purpose even in the rejection of Jesus by Israel. And that purpose is to reveal his mercy. And second part of the answer is in, in, in found in man's responsibility. That, that, that's Paul's focus in Romans uh, 30 through uh, uh, chapter 9. Uh, verse 30 through chapter 10, verse 21. He's, he's going to emphasize human responsibility and the this, this centrality of faith. And, and if you want to understand why Israel rejected salvation, you have to understand something about faith, right? And, 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 and so here, Paul is, is, is in, in, in Romans chapter 9, verses 30 and 31. Paul is reinstating his concerns that pagans who cared nothing about righteousness have obtained have obtained right standing with God, whereas the people of God have not. They've missed it. And, 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 and he's raising a very difficult question. But but even in raising the question in verses uh, 30 to 31, Paul reminds us that God's sovereignty is compatible with man's responsibility. And it's not contradictory to it. We see that Paul is not saying, well, now, you know, uh, 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 okay, now, so, some of you can believe in Romans 6, uh, 9, uh, 60, 29, and others can't believe Romans 9, chapter 9, verse 30 through 10, 21. So you can either believe, you can believe either way. God is either sovereign or man is responsible. Paul doesn't pause to see any kind of contradiction here, right? And, and as far as Paul's concerned, both things are perfectly compatible and both things are absolutely free. God is sovereign, God's grace and God's choice, but is man responsible too? I mean, we must believe, right? It is precisely in the failure of Israel to believe and in believing of the Gentiles, we see this tremendous distinction. God is sovereign and man is responsible. God is mercy. Mercy is not exhausted, even in the saving of the Gentiles. So it's, it's not surprising. You never would have thought of this, but that's precisely how God chose to reveal his mercy. So you ask, you, 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 the, so the next question you ask is, is why, right? In verse 32, and that is the second thing I'd like you to see. Paul, in effect, says, why did this happen? Why did Israel reject salvation? And he gives us a two-part answer. He says that 
rejection, the rejected salvation because they sought the wrong way and because they rejected the Savior. They rejected salvation because they sought it in the wrong way by works because they rejected the Savior, Christ and him crucified. In other words, Israel sought right standing with God in the wrong way. And Paul puts it this way in verse 32. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But based on works, they stumbled over the stumbling stone. What led to this disaster? How, how, how could God's people miss the mark so badly? I mean, Paul answers this uh, in, in the first part of 32. Because they didn't pursue it by faith, but based on works. Israel sought right standing with God in the wrong way. They sought it by works, guys. So, you know, it, 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 that's an amazing thing that Paul is saying here, right? That there is a wrong way to seek fellowship with God. And that is the ineffectual, and that is, 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 is ineffectual to our culture. And we think that if a person is seeking God, he is going to find it. If a person wants to be a follower of God, that God is just totally happy with. And that there, there are ways up that mountain. All religions are the same. And everyone who seeks God is a child of God. And the apostle Paul is saying here in verse 32, wrong, right? There, there, there is a right way to seek fellowship with God, and there is a wrong way. The wrong way is by works, and he is saying precisely what Israel of its own day did. They sought right standing with God by their own works. Now, people who seek right standing with God by works usually make two future mistakes. First, they underestimate their own sin. See, they don't see themselves as sinners in the way that the Bible sees them as sinners. They discount their sin. They see themselves basically as good people. Second, they underestimate the cost of salvation. They 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 underestimate the cost of grace. They they think by doing a few things that they can make up for the, the few uh, 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 of few mistakes of their past. And, 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 and not only do they refer to their sin as mistakes, not only do they downplace and sanitize their sin and make it respectable, but they also downplay the cost of salvation. The Apostle Paul says that Christ himself is the price that the Father has paid for salvation. So salvation is one of the costliest things in this world even though it is offered freely to you. And the one who desires to save himself by work doesn't reckon with those things. He just don't reckon with it. Now, there are many of us who would just come right out and say, well, I'm not a sinner. I, I don't need you know, to be saved by Jesus Christ. But there are a lot of people who think like that. They think of other people as sinners. They, they believe that they are able to do certain things in order to earn God's favor by being obedient or keeping certain stipulations or rituals or ceremonies, right? And that Paul, the Apostle Paul is saying that that is precisely the mistake that Israel has made in his own day and therefore missed salvation. They rejected it. Now, the second thing that, that Paul says, right, 
uh, in the second half of the verse of verse 32. And, and, and look at those words that Paul says. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. So now the stumbling stone is a favorite Old Testament reference to Jesus Christ. It refers to Jesus as the cornerstone that was rejected by the builders. And, and, and the picture of the stumbling stone is often applied in the New Testament writers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul is saying here that Israel could not accept Christ and his cross. You see, there are always people who are going to be looking for a way into fellowship with God that short circuits or goes around the cross. You know, they want relationship with God apart from Jesus Christ and apart from the cross. And, and the Apostle Paul says that there is no such thing, that it is vitally important for us to understand that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. That is not a popular thing to say. How many people have said that all religions are the same? All roads lead up that mountain. There are many ways into fellowship with God. Jesus is one way, but there are others. We see that with Oprah. We see that with, with a lot of her friends and a lot of people saying that, hey, yeah, there is, there's many ways to God. No, guys, there is one way to God and only one. And here, the Apostle Paul says that the stumbling stone um, to think that there is any way into fellowship with God apart from Jesus Christ, right? He's asserting that there is a wrong way into fellowship with God and that the wrong way is by our own works and by our own merits and by our own efforts and apart from Jesus Christ. And there is a right way, and it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's just that simple, guys. But Paul is saying that if you are trying to enter fellowship with the living God, there is no hope. Why? Because you're a sinner. You're the problem. Jesus is the solution to the problem that you have caused. The problem can't be solved itself. The only, only Jesus can solve this problem. And we must accept Jesus Christ as he is offered in the gospel. We must part with salvation or, or we must part with salvation, right? Why would religious people reject salvation? Because they trust in their own goodness. They discount their, uh, 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 their need for God's grace. That's why someone would reject salvation because the gospel is offensive. You know, Paul didn't go out and just test the market, right? He didn't do a data test of the gospel to discover that nine out of 10 uh, people in the test market would respond affirmatively to the idea of salvation is by grace alone, that we're all sinners that we need, that we need Jesus Christ to die for us in order to be saved. That's the most offensive message in the world. If you listen to it, if you're an unbeliever, it offends your pride because it says that you are such a sinner that you need a savior like that to save you. It offends your character. It offends your person. It, but it is the way to salvation. It's the word of grace. See, Paul didn't test to see if people would like it, right? Because it's the truth. It still offends people today. And it still, it's, it, it still will offend and increasingly invented. 
In fact, people who claim that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation are, are sure to be targeted as the terrorists of the future because we have people running around saying that the problem is that people out there who believe that truth has a capital T on it. When truth is truth, many different truths are truth. Contradictory truths are truth. And only a reasonable people can possibly get along. People agree that truth is relative. Other people say, right, the first step to terrorism is somebody who thinks that there is only one way to God. So we've got to wipe out everyone who believes that there is only one way to God. And so they began to relativize the teaching of scriptures. And Paul doesn't back down an inch here. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. And the third point makes the message of this passage is, is that Christ is appointed for the rise and fall of many of Israel and beyond, right? He quotes an Old Testament passage in verse 33. He says that, uh, that in Isaiah 28, 16, predicted that Christ would both be the stumbling block and the way to salvation, that many would take offense to him, but those that trust him would be saved. Look at what the passage says. Behold, I, I am, laying a, a, am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. See, there, there's, there's the negative side, right? He, he's, he's going to be one upon whom some stumble. And there's a positive side. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. In other words, Jesus would simultaneously be the one who would be rejected by his people and would, be, and, and, and would become the occasion of them taking offense. And at the same time, he would be the very heart of salvation of those who believe in him. Now that is not that isn't an industry. In, in Luke in Luke two thirty four, you find an interesting verse. You know, Mary and Joseph have taken baby Jesus to Simeon and, and to be blessed by, uh, and and Simeon lays his hands on the child and looks into Mary's eyes and says to Mary, "Your child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel." Simeon is saying that he recognized the Messiah would both be the occasion of salvation and the destruction of many of Israel. And that, and what will be the difference? Believing on him or rejecting him. Trusting in our works or trusting in his work. Trying to save ourselves or acknowledge that we can't save ourselves and the only one who can save us. And that will be the difference. And that is what Paul's saying here. Why would anyone reject salvation? Because they refuse to acknowledge their need and they refuse to put their hope in Jesus Christ. That's why salvation is offensive. It's offensive to say that you need to be saved. But it's the truth of the gospel. Paul says that all those who embrace Jesus Christ find that word of warning and judgment in the gospel is to but a word of blessing because it has drive that has driven themselves has driven them from themselves and in and from their sin to Jesus Christ and his salvation. Salvation, Paul is saying, is in Jesus Christ alone. How can you reject salvation, right? You you reject Christ. 
you refuse to believe in him. And that challenge, and, and, and that is the challenge for us today. Pe that's people, that's a challenge for people who are religious people who have grown up in the church. You know, we acknowledge that Jesus Christ, uh, that, that Jesus Christ alone is the way into saving fellowship with God. And, and we will, and will we trust him alone? Like he has offered the gospel for salvation. And that's what Paul is saying. Paul is standing before you saying this today. You know, Dr. Duncan, Lee and Duncan told a story of a dear friend. His name's Douglas uh, Macmillan. And, and, and he, who is his own, in his own time, was the greatest evangelist in Scotland. But he was also had his pre-Christian days, uh, had been, a, you know, a great athlete and stuff. And he was a massive man. I mean, he tossed the saber, he threw the hammer, you know, did, did those heavy lifting in the Highland sports, right? And he could have only been the national champion in it, right? But eventually he became a Christian, but he struggled to become a Christian what was really hard to do because he didn't want to let go of any things in his life that he took pleasure in. He was a ladies man. You know, he, he, he was, he was known to be a hard drinker as well, you know, and, and he liked his lifestyle, but like being, he, he liked being a man's man and, and he liked doing what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it, how he wanted to do it with no accountability. One day, the minister came up to him and, and, and asked about the God, you know, asked him about the gospel. He said, Douglas, in this hand, I give you Christ. And in this hand, I will give you everything that you think you have to give up in order to embrace Christ. What's it going to be? Christ or everything else? Douglas, reflecting on that, later looked back and said, you didn't make it easy for me. I'm so thankful. That's the problem with so many in church today. They want Christ, but they want everything else in this life. You see, Christ plus is hell. Christ plus our work is hell. Christ plus anything is hell. It's faith alone in Christ alone. That's salvation. That's what Paul said. And that's the choice that is before us today. Will we trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation? That's the difference. Why would anyone reject salvation? Because they cannot come to the realization that they are a sinner in need of grace. And so trust in the only one who can deliver them. Why does a person come to salvation? Because by the mercy of God, he opens their eyes to see both their sin and their Savior. And so they trust in him alone for salvation. You know, may God enable you to trust in Jesus Christ today. Because he is the only way to salvation. And if I'm a terrorist by saying that, well, that is it for today, guys. I want to thank you for being here and for watching. Sorry I had to redo a redo. I didn't do anything like the songs and stuff. But I had to do the redo. And I'm glad that I did because uh, it's awesome, right? I, I love preaching the word. So 
Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. We love you and we worship you, God. We just say thank you for all that you do. Just uh, give us this day, Lord, and, 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 and bless our hands and feet as we go to church and we do the things that we need to do. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great day. God bless you.